Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can download the CDM app. Come join the growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos that will help you know how to make disciples in your life and ministry. While you're on there, you can support this podcast by following the link to our Patreon. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as you transform your communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. The following is a portion of our Giving Tuesday live event, where Paul and Rebecca chatted with disciple makers from around the world. For more information on partnering with CDM, go to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com slash partner. Many of you remember Greg that we just had on talking about the Freedom Initiative. Greg was able to tell the story from the side of someone who had been in prison is now in out and joining our our team. Jack, on the other hand, will be sharing the story from the position of what does it mean to be a chaplain to go into the into the prison and to be able to make things happen. So it's going to be really neat to hear that other side of the story uh, mixed in with all of these uh, different vision points and things that God is calling us into and how you can be a part of all of the great things that he is doing. And so we are excited to be able to have Jack in here, uh, who is going to be a part of the and has been a part of this as well. As I as we said before, you know, we started with Jack years ago. And so I feel like this beginning this new um Department of CDM is just recognizing kind of what's already been happening and making it official and getting it to the next level. So come on, Jack, come on board. And uh, <laughs> hey, Jack, it's it's good to see you tonight. Um, you. <laughs> so first off, why don't you just give people a quick, uh, you know, um, little spot about who you are, you know, uh, and what brought you here to this moment today? Okay, well, I was raised on a ranch in eastern New Mexico with our own cows and horses and trained our own horses, and I thought that's all I ever wanted to do. Well, then toward the end of high school, I began to, after I came to Christ at 15, then within a little while, I felt called to the ministry, and I was willing to do that. But I'm just a square peg in a round hole sometimes, and it didn't... You know, I don't always fit in, but I would like to say that I fit here. I like this. We, mm. we like each other. We work well together. It's like God has brought some friends together that I can work with. We can share openly. We can banter back and forth without feeling threatened. And uh, I like it. So I was, uh, I was an IT tech for 16 years. And then with things changing the way they did, I became a, I became a contractor. Well, with the contractor, you don't have any insurance. Well, my wife's a school teacher, so I went on her insurance. Well, that only costs $750 a month. Oh, goodness. Just for me to be on my wife's insurance. I said, well, we've got to do better than that. 
So <clears throat> I've got a job at the prison. I mean, if you can fog a mirror and willing to follow orders, I mean, you can just, you can get on there. And it was the worst job I ever had in my life, first two years. And being an officer, you're hated from people above you, you're hated from below you, and you can't trust your peers because somebody might rat on you or even make something up to defend themselves. So the caustic, mm, that's not the right word, the bad atmosphere, I mean, it was poisonous. Mm -hmm. um, but God used it, and I had to trust him for strength. I had to trust him for protection. I mean, I was assaulted officially six times during that two-year stretch. I never got seriously hurt, but on paper, I, was, I had been assaulted six times. But, you know, God took care of it. And then after almost two years, then an opportunity to become a chaplain came up. Well, I'd already been ordained since the early 90s, and I'd done some pastoral work. I'd been on staffs at churches. In fact, I, I had been a confrontational proclamation evangelist for about 40 years, and I had individually sometimes and in groups of up to 60 at a time prayed for people to receive Christ. Well, after 40 years of that, and here I was 60-something, and I looked back and said, you know, I only got one bullet left in the gun. Hmm. I want mm -hmm. it to count. I want mm -hmm. this one to count. Well, as I was seeking the Lord in the scripture, and I came across that passage, John 15, where he said, I've chosen you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Oh, that was such a challenge. I had to look back at 40 years of what would appear to be successful evangelism and say, where are they now? Mm. Mm. And out of, say, 500, I could only count about 15 or 20 that's, yeah. just, that's still hanging around. Of course, you know, we live in a mobile fluid society, so they move away, I move away. Stuff happens, but still, I only kept in touch with, really keeping in touch still, only a handful, but I only know of people actually becoming church members and goers and what you would normally call disciples, only about 20. And that yeah. was very discouraging after 40 years. Of course, some of our earliest missionaries had seen a lot less than that uh, and still kept going. So I could be grateful and quit, pat myself on the back and just retire and take an easy life. You know, there's no such thing as an easy life, by the way. Growing old is not for sissies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something I've really learned from you, Jack. You, you know, that that uh, you're 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 so tough and lean in there. But I wanna I wanna just point highlight what you're saying right now because a lot of people do have a problem with when they, they get to that place where I'm like, I don't feel like I have the fruit that I want to see. And, 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 and some choose not to lean in. Some choose not to, to, you know, as some would say, live life in crescendo. In other words, like I'm going to, you know, let make this last bullet count. As you say, most people don't do that. And instead they just want to insist like, no, what I did was just fine. And I don't need to do anything else. And I think we do that out of fear 
you know, of be, be of saying like, maybe what I did was all useless and I just wasted my life. But that's, but what I love Jack is that you did something different is that you decided to, to uh, make a change. Well, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same things and expecting different results. Right. So I still I, think I, you're insane. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm on the other end though. <laughs> I mean, I want to go to like collapse, and I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. So I will tell, I will tell you this, just because it's kind of funny. I pull. I had to drive about an hour and fifteen minutes to do a, a session with about fifteen trainees at a prison today, and as I got into the city limits, uh, my head got, my brain got foggy. I had to think really hard. Like, where am I? I mean, I knew what I was going to do, but I was saying, you know, I really don't recognize this intersection. I don't think it looks right. Well, you know, I've been gone for a few years, so, you know, things can change. But my head got really foggy and confused. And this is going to talk about prayer support. That's where I'm going. And uh, within a few minutes, I realized I got to go. Well, typically I can control those things pretty good, okay? And so I said, well, let me think. Where's a restroom I could get into? And there was a drugstore down the street that I had done a lot of business with. So I said, I'm going to go there. I didn't make it, folks. Hmm. I made such a mess of my clothes. I mean, I didn't have a spare. You know, I don't know if it's because I'm old and foolish, but I was about ready to go out to the prison anyway, stinking. But, I, you know, it's not about, and I do, I want to go till I camped. Well, then I realized that my hygiene at that moment probably would have been prohibitive to the presentation of the gospel without distraction. So I turned around, went home. I called the buddy and said, I'm not making it. Well, then I found out tomorrow for my next two presentations, they got on lockdown. So I don't get to go there either. So, you know, it used to be for like a year and a half, I could not get in. I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. Maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was uh, people at the top resisting whatever you know, maybe it's my offensive personality. I don't know. But they didn't wouldn't let me in for a year and a half. Well, finally, I'm getting in, and then I can't get there. Hmm. So, and first of all, I know that God is not the author of confusion. So when that hit me in the head, I said, wait a minute, this ain't God. And uh, I was trying to be prayed up and trying to be in fellowship and filled with the Spirit. But it was weird. And then when my stomach got me, and then anyway, I just turned around and came back. But, you know, I still had a pretty fruitful time. We did an interview uh, that we're going to put on the radio and, you know, did that on Zoom. And now I'm here with you guys. So anyway. Jack, you're right. Spiritual warfare is a totally real thing. And it's designed to keep us from doing the things that God has called us to do. And it attacks us in a lot of different ways. And you're not the only person that I've heard 
uh, have that kind of problem when walking forward in doing what God has called them to do. So I definitely want to affirm that that was spiritual warfare and affirm that that's what spiritual warfare does is block us to the kingdom stuff. As you were talking earlier, you, you were telling the story about being a, a guard in the prison. And then you talked about the opportunity as a chaplain opening up and stepping into that opportunity. And I know that you are working, uh, you are working really hard to, um, to be a chaplain and to do everything. What led you to disciple making movements and then to, to reaching out and contacting contagious disciple making? Well, before I went to the prisons, I was trying to figure out how to make this last bullet work and find out what God had to say, the new direction, because I wasn't going to do the same stuff. I want to do something different. And that's the key to this whole disciple making stuff. Anyway, somebody's got to be hungry and want to change. Mm. I was hungry and wanted to change. And I talked to a friend of mine who had done mission work in underground church. I don't want to be very specific. Okay. But he was had been working in the underground church and his family had so much health issues that he had to come back for a while. Well, anyway, I was talking to him and he said, Jack, there's this thing that they're doing in China and it's working. And mm. he introduced me to the book, Contagious Disciple Making, before it was even in print. It would come out as a sample with the promise that if you'll read this book and send a review to Amazon, we'll give you a free book or where you can have this ebook. So I made the commitment, I read it, I left a uh, raving review, and as soon as I saw it on paperback, I got it. Well, I'd also read a couple of other books that were kind of in line with that. And at the end of these books, some of them have had to contact somebody for coaching. So I contacted everybody that I saw the name for, because I knew this was new, and my old wine skins weren't going to contain this new wine. So... I needed help. I uh, uh, and then Paul called me. We talked, and next thing you know, I'm working with you guys, and I'm very, very grateful for it. So, so you know, Jack, we we are so glad to to have met you. I remember when we uh, first started talking with you, uh, and the struggles of that beginning time. You know, just again because of all the spiritual warfare, and I even remember a specific day in which. You were trying to bring together some of your first groups for Discovery Bible Study, and there was just so many things happening. And that day, it finally happened. And just how Paul and I were just so filled with joy because we had been praying and mobilizing prayer for that. And we believe that was the beginning of a great thing. So let me just let me just ask you, how has working with CDM and applying DMM principles within you know your work in the prison helped you overcome barriers? to uh, reaching the men there? Well, first of all, I was in a prison with 3,500 people. And maximum security had about 500 where you, you just don't go walking in there. I mean, those men are dangerous. They'll, if there's a crack in the door, they'll hurt somebody. And uh, it may be each other. It may be, I mean, while I was there, one of them, took advantage of a little crevice and picked up the warden over his head and slammed him on the pavement. Wow. 
and I wasn't, I didn't see it, but I heard about it real quick. Word travels mm -hmm. fast. Well, anyway, we, I didn't get to go in there very much. Okay, so I was talking to the other pastor, I mean, the other chaplain, and one of them been there quite a while. I said, who needs it the most out of all these other 3,300 guys? And he said, the medium security guys. Well, medium security guys have been in trouble in prison because to be in that section, you have to be in trouble after you've been in trouble. And I'm not talking about recidivism and repeat offenders. I'm talking about somebody that assaulted an officer, somebody that, you know, they just consider kind of dangerous, but not like going to kill anything that moves, but, you know, probably violent, uh, who knows what they did, but they had to do something to get in there. And the chaplain said to me, uh, I tell you who the hardest people are, probably need it the most. I said, what's that? He said, the medium security. I said, then that's where I'm going. I had learned from Paul and from his dad that you go to the hardest places first and that's where the fruit is. So by this time, I'd already been trying to do uh, discovery Bible studies. I, uh, it had, I couldn't get any traction. I couldn't get anybody that really seemed to buy into it. Now, four years later, I realized a lot of it had to do with my presentation because I was just so raw. But you know, pioneers, first ones in, they don't have any maps. You know, it's true. Lewis and Clark's maps don't look at all like you know, Rand McNally maps, okay? But it got them from point A to point B and back. And so I felt like here we are. And you guys didn't have any experience with prison systems and nobody else did seem to either. So I just go and then make mistakes. And it's okay to make mistakes. In fact, you know, one of the mistakes I made recently was I was talking to one of my trainees from a year and a half ago and we saw each other in the hall and his English is bad and my Spanish is worse. And it's a very loud situation. If you could see, I got a cochlear implant over here, which means I don't hear worth a flip. But anyway, was walking through the hall like that. And I said, hey, how's it going, dude? He said, we're still doing it. We're still doing it, Jack. I said, like, what? And he said, we, we got 20 guys. We got 20 guys still doing it. Well, I misunderstood, and I thought he said that 20 more people had been baptized through their efforts, because obviously I wasn't there. But there's the leaders, the trainees, still doing it. And, you know, one question I've heard about missionaries is, oh, well, what, it'll go good until a missionary leaves, and then it always dies. And I thought, it's not what I want. But it's not based on me. It's based on Jesus. So a long story short is I got excited and thought we had 20 new baptisms and I reported that and I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I like the I like the point that you're making there. There's a couple of points that you're making there, Jack, that I really appreciate. And one is, is you're right. When we're in pioneering work, 
that, uh, you know, we're having to forge our own path. We're having to move things ahead. There is no roadmap given. But what I like also is that, um, that you're right, that the, the idea of movement is that it's continuing to work. And they have 20 guys in the process of reading the Bible. And we're going to believe that those 20 guys are coming to know the Lord and will do so within, within this next year. And I think that that's going to be pretty awesome, too. Now, um, Rebecca, go ahead. So I think that part of the, the, your story as you became, as we started working together, you know, we started with some, you know, groups of that were initially that were starting discovery Bible study and this, uh, and that those particular ones were able to multiply. And, and that you, one of the principles that really helped during that particular time was the fact of from the beginning, you established a DNA of the group so that if anything happens, then it can just simply multiply. And I know that was particularly important in your talk context, Matt, uh, you know, Jack, because of the fact that this was a higher security prison, they would mix up the prisoners every once in a while to be so that, you know, imagine like having to do, trying to do a discovery Bible study in 26 weeks, but you can't guarantee that you're going to be around those people for 26 weeks. You're going to get mixed up amongst the populace. So what do you do? Most people would just give up, right, Jack? Most people would say, well, just, you know, adapt to do something different. But what we, but what we talked about together, what you did, what we, what, what happened was we landed, leaned into the DMN principle. And now those be actually multiplied because what whoever started their group together, if they got separated, just started with the next one. That is so tell us about that moment and 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 what you were seeing during that time. Well, at just before COVID hit us, we had 37 groups going. Mm -hmm. And it went from three to 37. Well, <laughs> from none to 37. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it, it went and it took a year. Okay, mm -hmm. but it, it went from three to 317 guys. And I have records. I got a box full of papers where we tried to keep track of the guys and what their I will statements were and who they were with and who they were praying for. And so I, I, I tried to make documentation because some of my critics have said, well, they just lie. They just lie about all the numbers and this guy will count him and that guy will count him. And they were, I said, come on. And so I didn't like it when Rebecca said, well, it's a new, it's a new level, a new skill. You get to learn how to keep track. I, said, <laughs> I hate that. But that's what coaches do is they get us to do stuff we wouldn't do on our own. And so I didn't want to keep records. But you know what? God sent me Greg. And Greg helped me with the records. And Greg, having been a major in the army, it does paperwork doesn't scare him. In fact, <laughs> nothing, nothing scares him, you know. So I mean, he's seen some really bad situations, and nothing scares him. So it was a pleasure to work with him because he knew how to follow leadership as well as to take initiative when it's necessary. Anyway, God will send you people that you need. Maybe not when you think you need them but he'll send them. 
So I like, well, like what you started to say there, Jack, you were talking about identify one thing that coaching helped you with when Rebecca was like, okay, this is a skill set. We're going to work on it and everything else. Can you think of another thing that coaching uh, was able to help you with uh, as you were working there in, in the prison? I, you know, I, I did, I need to think about that. But there was a bunch okay. of them. There was a bunch of them. And a lot of those directions I had, I didn't like at first. <laughs> uh, but I just realized that I needed coaching and coaching meant change. Are you going to do it the way you're comfortable with? No, because that doesn't work. So what do I need to do? And you and Rebecca both talked me through it. And I was hard headed. You know, I'm old, but I'm also not very smart. So I have to, it has to be pretty plain and you guys work through it to get it plain enough to where I could understand it. And I appreciate it. Well, you've done a great job, Jack, and we're super, we're super excited. Now, I, I, I remember, you know, you being involved during COVID and you try to continue to work through COVID. In fact, I remember a picture that you sent me once of you uh, helping uh, an inmate uh, write a letter to a family member as they had COVID and you were in full protective garb and everything else. And so you were there for a long time. And then ultimately you decided to go ahead and to kind of retire and, and everything else. And, and, you, you know, there was a period of trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now that I'm not in prison, but I've got this call and, and everything else. And that ultimately led to uh, remember the prisoner, the radio show that you, you have there and, could you tell us a little bit about the the initial vision that you had for Remember the Prisoner and why you thought it was such an important tool? Well, I had been praying and concerned for a while because it's really rotten to sit there doing paperwork when you got so many hurting people around you that could benefit even from a smile or an encouraging word or a handshake. And I can't contact these guys. I can't. I'm a chaplain, for goodness sake, and I can't get in there. We can't have church. We couldn't do anything. And uh, one of my friends said, well, you know, when Paul was in prison, he wrote letters. Uh, we still have letters. And I could still write letters. Well, the prison has their own system, and it's called JPEG. So I found out I could send these digital letters kind of to these guys and I could sit down and I remember little stories and try and make it personal and you know encouraging and then I would also have some kind of a, a devotional trying to keep DMM at the front forefront and encouraging them to reach out to others that are you know also hurting and then one day as I was praying about it I remembered they have radios in their cells hmm and they love them. It's their only connection with the outside world. And when they're on that kind of lockdown where a meal gets slid through a slot and the only thing they get to eat comes in a brown paper bag three times a day. Can you imagine peanut butter and jelly or bologna and cheese? Maybe with a piece of, maybe with some prunes or something like that. Three times a day. And that's what they had. Okay. So the radio was a good release for them. And uh, I realized, I just said, Lord, how are we going to fulfill the Great Commission if I can't even go to them? 
Mm. You know, we expect him to come to us. No, I was ready to go to them, go to them. But then I couldn't get there. So the radio, I remember, I started talking to some friends and casting a little vision and said, come on, let's let's do something for these guys. And one of the guys had some cash and he got me some airtime. And next thing you know, he got me another sponsor. That airtime cost seven fifty a month still, okay, by the way. So, you know, if anybody wants to help, that's, you know, there's seven fifty that's going to happen. Anyway, so we did a radio program, and then I started sending JPEGs trying to communicate. And I, I tried to do a lot of um, transcriptions so that anything we said on the air, I could send on JPEG, and those that missed the broadcast could still read it if they wanted to. Well, about the time COVID hit, a little bit after I started sending JPEGs, they scattered my trainees. I had like 25 trainees that were prepared and doing good. And a bunch of them got scattered across the state of Texas. Oh, no. Now, wait a minute. What did persecution from Nero do to the Christians in Jerusalem? Scattered them. And what happened? The gospel grew. Well, when my 25 guys, a bunch of them got scattered, guess what happens? They're doing Discovery Bible study in other units. They got scattered into, at first, 13 and now 17 different units where my JPEGs with the, you know, CDM-type materials as well as just good devotional stuff, whatever I... I got an hour program I got to fill up, and it's not 62 minutes. It's 60 minutes, okay? And so that's another level of discipline I've had to develop because you guys are stomping on me saying, shut up. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, so we, we started sending the letters out, and I've got a box of letters over here. It's about, well, you can't see my hands, but it's a file cabinet box, and it's full of letters, mm. okay? And... When people say, oh, no, you're not doing anything, I point to those letters and say, somebody's answering. <laughs> I mean, look. Right. So, so what I'm getting, Jack, is that you'll do, the, you'll do the radio program. And as part of that, you have portions where you'll read prisoners, uh, replies to prisoners there on the program so they, they can hear their name being spoken out, and which it men, means a lot to them that someone is just paying attention to what they're saying. And then they'll write you letters and you'll respond back. And this is how that you're those 300 plus men that were involved in the Discovery Bible study process, ones coming to the Lord, you're staying in touch with them, even as the Texas judicial system has moved them out to different units across the state. And as a result of the letter writing and the radio program, you're able to continue to equip them to be disciple makers within their context, which is which is huge to figure that out. And we see that happen. I remember stories in Africa where we went in and we established local area radio stations that did all sorts of broadcasting and became so important to the community that that when the radical Muslims would come in to burn them to the ground because they were reading the Bible over the air, 
the the villagers in the area formed a wall of bodies around their um, around the radio station to keep the radical Muslims from burning them down. They said, you're going to have to kill us if you're going to burn down our station. So those radio stations were really important overseas. And I could totally see the context right here. And then the letter writing ends up being a personal touch. And we saw the Apostle Paul, as I mentioned earlier today, do that very same thing of writing letters to people and saying that letter that I sent you, I want you to read it with them. And that letter that I sent them, I want them to read it with you. And so those are the kind of things, these, these New Testament kind of things that we're bringing into this whole process to make disciples. Now, help me understand if I remember correctly, are there like 117 different units inside of the state of Texas? Is that right? 117, 118, something around there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I thought. And about seven, is it 72,000 prisoners that are released from prison every single year and then, and, and everything. So I think in Amarillo alone, it was like 1500 prisoners that are released in Amarillo, Texas and that in the surrounding area every single year. Greg's the one that'll have those numbers. I yeah, I, I think that if I remember correctly, after talking with you and Greg on our podcast, which you guys can go listen to, by the way, there's a podcast that we did with Greg and with Jack about the Freedom Initiative, that those are the numbers. Now, the problem is, is that a lot of prisoners, they come out of prison and they're not really introduced to another way of living. They really don't have any help and things like that. And so they ultimately uh, end up, you know, many of them you know, offend again and are put back into prison and they become the cycle of prisons for life. Uh, prisoners for life and everything else. And so part of the freedom initiative and what we're trying to accomplish here is that we believe that if we give people a purpose and that purpose is a kingdom purpose that says it doesn't matter who you've been and what you've done, you've paid your debt to society and now you have a purpose in, in with God to do incredible, immeasurable good work that um, that will that is a difference from what you were done before. You're not just meant to be a prisoner who's now saved by Jesus and meant to sit on a pew in silence because we just don't want you to get in trouble again. But instead, you can be a prisoner who can, in the right way, like the disciples did, turn the world upside down for the kingdom of God. And so as we talk about the Freedom Initiative, Jack, and, and the things that you and, and Greg are involved in there, what are some of your hopes and what are some of your your dreams regarding the Freedom Initiative and what it can accomplish? Well, I don't want to commit you to something you're not ready to commit to. So I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping that limited, okay? But I, I see that you guys are great communicators and you might be able to help me with our internet presence and you might be able to help us with some podcast, you know, formats and some stuff. And I try to record and use what you have on a podcast for training, but now I've got a thumb drive. I can carry it in and I can put it up on a screen and, uh, you know, maybe now I'm only doing 14 in this room and 40 in that room and maybe 25 in another room. But, you know, that's, that's still a lot to start off with all of a sudden. And no wonder the enemy didn't want me past the city limits of Pampa today. So, <laughs> well, well, let me let me. And tell I'm not going to give the devil credit for nothing. I mean, that's well. Let God, me let me tell you. I, I'm not sure you can outvision us, Jack. And here here is what what uh, what I'm thinking in terms of the Freedom Initiative. You know, here we there are a significant number 
of people that spend their lives in and out of and around prison, mm-hmm. whose destinies have been affected by bad choices and bad choices that have, have spanned back for generations of their family. And God is in the business of changing destinies. The problem is, is that often the people of God shy away from taking the the message of God into the very places where it needs to be. Or we stop too early and we say it's all about just getting saved as opposed to it's about becoming a disciple maker and doing the will of your father who is in heaven. And so the, the idea of the Freedom Initiative is we want to work with people all across the United States who are engaged in getting into the prisons. And we want to work with them to apply disciple-making movements within those prisons in order to see prisoners who help prisoners who help prisoners who help prisoners come to know Christ. That when they leave prison, that they, instead of entering back into old patterns and habits of the old man, that that old man truly has died at the foot with Jesus and has been, they have been restored and given a new identity. And those prisoners go, and instead of continuing the cycle of pain, the cycle of sin, that they go in and they start to make disciples of the very people that they used to run with. They start to make disciples of their families that they that they have been rejected from. And that they, they start to make disciples of the children that they didn't know before. But because of Christ and him working in those situations, he puts it together. And that we can start to see the number of prisoners who come out of prison and go into prison again drop. Recidivism is the term for it. We see recidivism drop. And then we see new churches being started among people who can sit there and truly say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And so that's that's kind of the vision of contagious disciple making. I know that Rebecca started off this whole thing saying this just seems like a natural continuation of the relationship that has already been. We started coaching you years ago and in applying movement principles within one prison unit. The, Cle- the Clemens unit outside of Amarillo, Texas. But in reality, the things that we've learned from that process, we want to see go into every prison unit throughout the state of Texas and ultimately into other states as well. Now, I know, Jack, you know, you know, I've been able to make some connections with some people in California that work in the prison system. You've been able to make some connections with other prison units within the state of Texas and into Kentucky if I remember correctly. So, yes. and then I've had at least two, if not three people write me within the last two months saying, Hey, I work with prisoners and I want to be a part of, of making disciples within the prison system. And so the need is there. And that brings us here to this moment right now. And I'm excited about it. I'm glad to be a part of it. And if this is the last bullet, I'm happy. I there mean, you it, go. It's going good. I'm not we planning on an it. ending. We're just on the threshold. We're, just, you know, God's opening those doors of ministry, and we're just going to step through them. Yep. You know, Jack, it, we, we don't know how many bullets you got, but we'll go to the shooting range together. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and that. Um, but, you know, I even know some people in our community who are actively now choosing to be a part of, uh, you know, trying to, to get into prison ministry because they want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And and everything. So, you know, I really feel like this is just the next step and we're going to make it all together. And, you know, guys, this is why, you know, you who are listening out there, we want to be able to say that this is truly something we believe God is in. 
he wants this is in Isaiah he, and Jesus quoted in Isaiah 61 that part of the kingdom is to uh, set the captive free. And, you know, the, and that is both spiritually and physically in the sense of that he wants to be able to, to, to empower people to do his will, to be fully redeeming lives. And that's what we want to see happen. And, and I think between our talks with Greg earlier today about how to be able to help prisoners coming out of the system and Jack, how you've, we've been talking with you, them within the system, we can be able to create a cohesive process to be able to help bring a lot of healing to this part of, uh, of our nation to reach people who, as you say, that as they're leaving the system, will go into all of the different areas of our society and and imagine all the different communities that they can be able to affect instead of uh, just being you know added back into the problem. Now they're actually coming to solve the corrupt problem to help um, redeem the problems that are happening in their community. And so, um, you know, talking again to uh, our viewers out there, let's lean in together and uh, not only be a part of this, but to pray for us, you know, go on to our CDM prayer page, reach out and connect to, to us. We'd love to be able to, to help you know how to be able to pray with us for these things. And, and number three, give. You know the it it uh, the there are expenses that comes with this. Where we need team to be able to make this happen, especially if we're going to expand this throughout Texas and um, the, the United States. Eventually, we're going to need to build this, and so and this is going to take time and effort and and people, and so um, help give to be a, uh, to be able to be a part of that. Well, Jack, you know it has been so uh, such an honor to work with you. And then also, we can't wait to see what God is going to do in through our team moving forward in this. And thank you for coming and sharing today. I'd like to ask, if anybody out there is good at transcriptions, help! <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, a not, I'm not good, guys. I, it's very necessary, but I just can't seem to get it done. I, I'll tell you, I'm 67 years old. My left hand won't type sometimes, Okay. And my right hand is not real good at typing. So, anyway, so I, always that, I think that that's a good thing to sit there and say, guys, is that that if you want to be involved in the in the freedom initiative, whether you are already engaged in your local prisons, if you want to volunteer to help with some things, if you want to give this is Giving Tuesday. And one of the reasons we're here right now that that the share that we're, we're encouraging everyone to to take up one hundred dollar a month share. That hundred dollars a month ends up going in and uh, and being involved and in helping us do things like the Freedom Initiative to put the time in to coaching those insiders like Greg was and to work with Jack and Greg and figure out how to get into new units throughout Texas and throughout the United States and Canada. I mean, all of these things are a part of what we do at Contagious Disciple Making. This is a door that we feel God is opening wide open and a need that needs to be that needs to be met. And so we're asking you this Giving Tuesday to go ahead and be involved in supporting the work of Contagious Disciple Making. We're looking for people to adopt 300 shares. If you could do one or more shares, that would be absolutely awesome in order to be able to help us. Rebecca? Oh, thank you so much for being with us, Jack. We will talk to you soon about this. Thanks so much. Have a good All right. Day. God bless, Jack. Bye.
I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description. Thanks for listening to the CDM Podcast. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.